Welcome to the Manly Pinterest Manly Tip Show. Pinterest Hello, folks. Welcome to the Manly Pinterest Tips Podcast. I'm Jeff C., and you're not. Are your Pinterest pins performing but just not converting? Are you driving traffic with your ads but no one purchases your product? Can you afford not to listen to this episode where we discuss how you can optimize your traffic with conversion rate techniques? First, though, I wanted to offer a special deal to my podcast listeners. If you've ever wanted some help with Pinterest or visual marketing, I'm offering for just you guys, my listeners, a special $100 off Pick Jeff's Brain consultation. If you need help with Pinterest, live video, visual marketing, I am here to help. Just go to manlypinteresttips.com forward slash podcast special to get that special price. That's manlypinteresttips.com forward slash podcast special. Chris Daly is a digital marketing entrepreneur, speaker, and neuromarketer who gets excited about helping business businesses learn what their users want on their website using psychology-based testing and analytics. He started his conversion optimization agency, Daily Conversion, in 2014, which he later merged with Disruptive Advertising, where he currently works as VP of Site Testing and Optimization. Chris is super passionate about optimizing not just for traffic, but making that traffic convert for your posts and landing pages. He's incredibly knowledgeable about optimization and testing, and I found this conversation fascinating especially the psychological aspect of it, and I know you will too. So let's jump right into my conversation with Chris Daly. Chris, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me on the show, Jeff. I'm really excited to chat. Yeah, it's going to be a good, this, this ties into some stuff because I know you were asking me some questions about Pinterest and I, and a lot of my Pinterest uh, clients and, and friends, you know, they get a lot of traffic from Pinterest, but it's the conversion where they may be kind of falling down a little bit. So um, conversion rate optimization, you know, sometimes like to me, a lot of people can almost seem like uh, quantum physics or something, especially when you're talking with businesses who just want to get like more customers. That's all they really want. Can you kind of explain what uh, conversion rate optimization is and what it does? Sure. Um, and when I, when I explain what I do like to my mom, because my mom <laughs> has no idea really what I do. Um, when I explain it to her, the way that I will explain it is I help businesses figure out what people want to see. Right. So, mm -hmm. and this is, this is really what a good marketer wants to do is get inside the mind of their customer and figure out what can I show them? What can I present them with? What information do they want? What kind of visual experience do they need to see in order to engage and ultimately purchase or sign up for whatever it is that I'm offering. And so conversion rate optimization is the process of figuring out, of trying different approaches and figuring out what people want to see. Gotcha. Uh, and so you can, you can compare it to what like a scientist would do. If he's trying to help someone get rid of a headache, he's going to try a bunch of different approaches. Let's try 200 milligrams of ibuprofen and 400 and 600. And let's try uh, Tylenol. Let's try a bunch of different drugs. Here, we'll give you a sugar pill and we'll see which one gives you the most relief from a headache, right? And so similarly, what, what I help businesses do and what I help marketers do is say, what are all those things that we should try, right? Let's mm -hmm. make sure that we're not just doing the same thing that we've always done Let's try a bunch of different approaches. Let's throw things off the wall and see what ultimately sticks with our users. And by doing that, you are able to maximize your conversion rate. Cool. So what, what is a neuromarketer? What is that kind of like, that sounds really cool, but what, what exactly, when you, when you give yourself that title, what does that mean, a neuromarketer? Yeah, so neuromarketing is, to me, 
is the combination of psychology and marketing. Mm-hmm. So traditionally, marketing. Well, I'll, I'll I'll share with you a conversation I had just just last week. So we were talking with a client of ours that is all about billboards, right? They're like putting up physical billboards on the freeway here in Utah, where I'm from, and. Uh, when, when people ask them, well, why are you putting $20,000 a month towards a billboard when you could put 20 grand a month towards digital advertising? And you go, well, billboards, I mean, they'll get seen by so many people and you know, all this stuff. Uh, and the challenge with traditional marketing, which I think probably everyone listening to this show already knows, the challenge with that is it's almost impossible to track, to attribute, right. to do all these things. And, and that type of marketing is more about like flexing your sales muscles, right? It's like, mm-hmm. let's just put something out there that's really cool. Neuromarketing is more about saying, what is it that drives people to make decisions? I'll, I'll give you an example of uh, like a more traditional example of neuromarketing. So Walmart for years has done, um, I don't know exactly what they call it, but it's like store layout optimization. And so what they'll do is they'll take different Walmart locations and they'll say, let's find out what happens when we put the candy as the first thing that people walk in and see versus clothing versus, um, you know, relevant uh, holiday items. And let's see which one drives the most sales. Let's find out what we should put by the actual checkout counter. What kind of impulse purchases are are people actually going to add into their cart at the checkout counter. And so what they do is they test dozens of different layouts. They see which one generates the most sales. And then they try to apply that to all of their, uh, to all of their stores. And what they're doing is they're doing neuromarketing. They're figuring out what is it that is going to drive people to make the best decisions here? What series of events, what series of products is going to ultimately resonate the best with people and drive them to put stuff in their cart and purchase? And so neuromarketing is, is really, it's just trying to get inside of your customer's head and figure out what is the optimal combination of things that is going to drive them to, to, to take action. That's really, that's really fascinating. So how, how did you get so interested in this subject? Because this seems like a really kind of, you know, you've kind of, kind of combined two things together. Is there something like that you were like when you were a kid, you were really interested in it kind of drove you to this way or how did you get into this? No, I was a loser as a kid. I just sat around playing video games all the time. And I mean, I had no, I'm not, I'm not a typical uh, entrepreneur. And so really what happened was I was going to school, just, I was like business management. So I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I was in school. And uh, so I was looking for a job. I got a sales job selling SEO, search engine optimization. And I was just fascinated by it, mostly because it had such a huge implication for my everyday life. It's like, well, I use Google every day. I didn't know that there was all these wizards behind the scene pulling these strings. And so uh, I, I wanted to learn more about it. I got fascinated by that. So, um, you know, I applied for a job internally. I dropped doing search engine optimization. Um, so fast forward a couple of years, search engine optimization is all about driving traffic to your website, right? And um, we had like tripled our organic traffic in a six month time period. But conversion rates uh, actually went down. We were converting less traffic than before, even though we had tripled our our overall traffic. And so like two and two just didn't fit together. And I was scratching my head going, why are we not generating more more leads? Why are we not getting more conversions with more traffic? And that's, that's what started to seed this idea of figuring out, well, what is it? Are we driving the wrong people? 
are we driving the right people, but we're giving them the wrong experience? Uh, are we showing them the wrong stuff in the search results or is it the wrong stuff on the website? Are we taking them to the wrong page? Like what exactly is happening here? And no one at the company I was at at the time could help me answer those questions. And so I just started playing around. So I ran a test on one of our landing pages and I literally, I took something that our very professional design team had created that looked really nice. And I tested it against a landing page template that I just found online. I mean, it was like a really dumb looking template. I just plugged in our content into the template and it performed better. And so then I asked the obvious question, well, why did it perform better? Like it didn't look better. It didn't really fit our brand, but it converted quite a bit better. Um, and that's what just, I mean, it really um, inspired and instilled a love inside of me of figuring out what is it that is driving people to make decisions. And, you know, here I am um, about seven years later and I still on a daily basis will look at tests that we're running for our clients and I'll go, I think I know what's going to, what's going to win there. I think I know what's going to convert the best and I'm wrong. Yeah. And so it continues to inspire me to go, huh, why is that? Why, why can't I predict what's going to work the best? One of my hypotheses, and I've really been kind of fascinated by this, coming from the visual marketing kind of standpoint, is it's the same thing. Sometimes things don't work. You're like, that's a beautiful image. Why aren't? And then they'll go and they'll click on the crappy image. They're like, why? <laughs> why? And one of the things I'm wondering is, is because there's so much content that's coming through our feed. I, I you know, I, you talk, your company's called Disruptive Marketing, you know, um, or advertising. And I'm thinking disruptive visuals are what are going to get people to stop in the scroll, stop the scroll and, and on Instagram or Pinterest or wherever on social media that sometimes the funny images or the images that are so beyond the norm are what getting people are, is what's getting people to actually stop and maybe check out your content. Do you think that's a valid hypothesis? I'm, I'm running some tests myself, but I just see more and more of that going to be until everybody starts doing it, be one of the ways you can stand out. Oh yeah. I've always said once something becomes a best practice, it stops being a best practice because if everybody's doing it, then that becomes the norm and people start to get, you know, like banner blindness. They start to ignore what they see all the time. So that, that is definitely true in some circumstances, um, especially when you're trying to capture attention, right? Mm -hmm. When it comes to like click through rates um, or engagement rates, those types of like disruptive visuals can absolutely increase click through rates and, and, uh, and, and, and can increase engagement because it does kind of catch people. Um, it, it catches people's attention a little better where, where it gets a little more dicey is when it actually comes to a website. So we have a, we have a client right now that is an e-commerce website. They're selling, uh, it's in the jewelry space. So they're selling jewelry. They created this really cool, innovative website where it, it kind of uh, challenged the norm for an e-commerce website. You know, your normal e-commerce website is you come in on the homepage or some landing page, you right. navigate to a category page, then a product, then you check out. I mean, you go through this whole process. And so they created this new innovative kind of approach where you could check out from any point on the site, like homepage, you get there, you see a product, you can check out. Um, and, and it's, it's interesting because as we, as we've started testing, as we've started challenging, like, is that what people actually want? Um, 
we're finding that in some cases, it works better to do the traditional thing, to do the thing that people are expecting. Mm. So there's certain times and there's certain places where you want to kind of catch people off guard and do something unexpected. And then there's other times, and I, I would suggest, this is where the neuromarketing come, kind of comes in. I would suggest it depends on how much potential friction there is at that point in, in your sales funnel. So if there is a high amount of friction, Anything you do at that point to like kind of disrupt their experience has a great chance for, for increasing the friction, like for mm -hmm. causing more anxiety, right. right? Now, if it's somewhere on social media, that's a very low friction um, place for people to be, right? People are, are kind of at ease. Their guard is down. They're just kind of scrolling, looking for stuff, for whatever, for content. And so their guard is down. But as soon as they come to your website, their guard starts to go up a little bit more and a little bit more. Mm. Uh, and so you want to, again, you want to try different approaches to find out where can I push the envelope? Where can't I? So would they, would you say like the disruptive images? Cause like if I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see an explosion in an ad, I'm like, what is that? And I'll click on that. Would yeah. that happen on the top of the funnel more than like when they actually land on your website and like you're trying to get them to get money. You don't want to have wackadoo stuff like, you know, flashing <laughs> things, shooting, you know, click here and buy my product. So it's kind of what I'm hearing you saying. Um, and also, you know, you, you've mentioned a lot about psychology um, when you start doing this for uh, conversion and sales. Is it different when people uh, come from like Pinterest versus like Facebook versus organic search? Is there a big difference in the psychology that you have to do different things for each of those platforms? Absolutely. In fact, um, you know, what, <laughs> A common thing that comes up is we'll have businesses that reach out to go, hey, my conversion rates tanked. What happened? Like yesterday, my conversion rates dropped on my website. What happened? Well, there's a lot of things that can happen. And, and most commonly, this is the most common reason why I see people have conversion rate drops. I'll look at their analytics and it will be like, hey, we got a lot more traffic from uh, Twitter yesterday. And typically, Twitter converts less than our other channels, right? So if you get a lot of of uh, a low converting traffic source, um, your conversion rates are going to go down, right? But I mean, everyone thinks, oh, the sky is falling. My business is failing. <laughs> right, Something's right. broken on my site. That's the first assumption. So, but the reason for that, the reason that conversion rates are going to be different for each traffic source is people are in a very different state of mind on each platform. And even going from like Pinterest to Facebook to Instagram, they're in a slightly different state of mind on each of those platforms. And they're in a way different state of mind when they're on Google search. Right. And so you do need to think about, and, and again, what is the difference in the state of mind? Well, there's a lot of theories. There's a lot of hypotheses. Right. Um, and some of that just, some of that depends on what your brand is, what kind of, you know, product or service you're offering. Um, you know, because when you are a, uh, when you're a service-based company, and you're posting on social media, they might be in a state of mind of panic. Like if, I, if, if you're a plumber, they could be in a state of mind of panic because their toilet's overflowing, right? And so they're like, <laughs> they're actually looking for a solution. Or you might be a plumber and they're, and they're like not even thinking about your product at all, right? They're just like scrolling and it's like, oh, huh, it would be nice to... Um, you know, to increase the flow of water from my shower, you know, like right. <laughs> their, right. their intent is very, they're, they're very early on in the buying phase. And so again, what you, what you need to think about is a couple things. Number one, where do I think people are at right now? 
when they are on these different platforms. So if they're on Pinterest, where do I think they're at right now? Are they actively looking for a solution? Are they passively looking for a solution? Are they looking for a solution at all? Maybe they're not even looking for a solution. And based on their their kind of their intent or their their current level of uh, of interest, you'll need to frame your messaging, your content, your visuals very differently. Um, if they don't know that they need a solution, you may need to be more explosion attention grabbing okay. than if. If it's like, if it's, if my toilet's overflowing, you don't need to get me with an explosion. Like, just right. tell me what number to call. <laughs> right. Take my money. Yeah. So yeah. in a perfect world, would you have a landing page for each of those different networks? Like you'd have one for Facebook, you would have one for Pinterest, you'd have one for Instagram, because those are kind of have a different psychology behind each of those platforms. Um, so that's where you want to test because so I've, I've seen some companies that do a completely custom experience for each source. That's what a lot of people call like website personalization. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're, you're creating a personal experience based on where they're coming from. I've also seen other companies where they don't need to personalize. Like you can serve up the same website experience regardless of, uh, of where they're coming from and it will work equally well. That's where you want to test. So the way that I usually suggest companies start to explore this is just run a test on your existing site for all of your traffic. And if you use the right testing tool, if you use an AB testing tool, you can, you can uh, go in. So for example, like a, a free tool that you can use to do an AB test, you can use mm -hmm. Google optimize. It's free. It's, it's, um, very easy to set up if you already have Google analytics. And so you can go into Google optimize and you can say, Hey, I'm going to change the headline on, on my homepage on, on my existing homepage. It says, um, you know, I'll, I'll use like uh, social media marketing world as, as an sure. example, like the best damn marketing conference on the planet. Maybe that's the headline. And then for, you know, for version for, for the B version of my site, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say, uh, become the best marketer in, in the state or whatever, you know, right, right. and I'm going to test those two against each other for all of my traffic. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go in after that test has run after I've run it for a couple weeks, I'm going to go on and I'm going to segment the results. So I'll see how did that test perform for organic? How did it perform for social? How did it, you know, and maybe you even split up social. How did it perform for Facebook versus Instagram versus Pinterest, whatever your traffic sources are and see if there's a difference. And if they all performed about the same, then you might not need to personalize your site. If they all perform drastically different, then that's the point at which you can mm -hmm. start. And I'll give it, I'll give an example of a test that I ran that was really like had shockingly different results. So we had a landing page. We were driving affiliate traffic, paid social traffic, organic social traffic, uh, organic search traffic, and then paid search traffic. So we had like five major traffic sources. We tested literally just color combinations on this page. So we had like the background color and the call to action colors. We had different combinations. We had one that was like a blue background, one that was like a purple background, orange background. I mean, we had all kinds of different colors. Um, and we ran this test for all traffic and literally had a different winner for every single traffic source. Like the, the version that won for organic uh, for organic search traffic was 100 had a 100% difference from the from the affiliate traffic. 
Wow. So like night and day, I mean, it was completely different. If we had run the same website for all of those people, we would have been missing out on a ton of conversions. So uh, again, you know, you can, I mean, you can get lost in all the right. things that you could possibly test, but I usually suggest just take something, anything, test the image on your page, test, you know, whatever. So you mentioned color and that was the thing you were testing there. How important is that something that a lot of people, that's one of the first things to test is like the color of like buttons or your visuals. Is that one of the easiest things to test? I'm I just kind of, since I'm coming from a visual background, I'm like, okay, that's pretty easy to do. Um, does that make a big difference? Does that move the numbers quite a bit? So it can, it really just depends. So the way that I usually suggest um, when, you know, if, if you don't have a lot of testing experience, or even if you do have a lot of testing experience, one great way to look for your biggest area of opportunity is to go look at your landing page and say, what is currently the most noticeable thing on my page? So if it is a button, if it's your image, test that, test changing that out because whatever is the most like drawing the most visual attention is probably has a, a decent impact. And so, um, so like, a, a, one thing that typically will draw a lot of attention is like video content mm -hmm. on a website. Mm -hmm. If you have a video on your landing page, chances are it's drawing a lot of attention. Now that might be a good thing. It might be a bad thing. And so what a simple test that you can run is have a version with your video and have a version without your video, right? Very, very simple and see what the conversion rate difference is. Cause that'll do two things for you. Number one, it'll tell you, is this video helping? And number two, it will tell you, so like if, if the video is not helping, well, boom, you get it off. You just increase your conversion rates. If it is helping, then you know, okay, this is a good thing. And it is driving, um, it is driving value. Now let's test what kind of video to put there. Let's test how long of a video we should have. Let's test what the thumbnail should be. I mean, but again, you want to figure out our, cause what, what I can't tell you is I cannot tell you what things your audience cares about. Mm. Um, I can't tell you what the most important conversion lever is for you to pull. Every website has different, um, things that influence their audience behavior. So, like I said, the easiest way to figure that out is just look at your landing page and say, what is the most noticeable thing on this page right now? And then test that. Very cool. So, um, you know, people are going, okay, Jeff and, and Chris, this is great stuff. I'm a small business. This sounds like something the only the big boys can do. I'm the, I like, I'm the only one at my company. I'm in charge of, you know, all the marketing. So is this just something for the big boys to do? Or is there like, you know, things that you can give uh, recommendations for even like solopreneurs to use? Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I, I work with a lot of solopreneurs or I've talked to a lot of solopreneurs. In fact, um, one, one of the people who is not a solopreneur anymore, but he still kind of does just about everything is Mike Stelzner, who runs Social right. Media Examiner, Social Media Marketing World. I mean, he does a ton of stuff. And so he, he reached out to me and he said, hey, Chris, I've been doing A-B testing on my own um, for months. I'd love to have you take a look at what I've been doing. And I mean, I went in and took a look at what he, what he had been doing he'd probably run 30 or 40 tests on his own uh, by the time he even reached out to me. Right. And that blew me away. Now, the tests that he was running were, you could call them simplistic. They were, he was testing content, like different content. He was testing different headlines, different call to actions, different button colors. I mean, he was testing some of these basic things. Those types of things are not that hard to test. Um, especially if you use a tool that is built. So, I mean, if you have a landing page, you might be built in like lead pages or click funnels or unbounce. 
those tools are fairly easy to go in and make some simple changes. Um, I also mentioned Google Optimize. If you have a website, mm-hmm. um, if you install Google Optimize, which takes 15 minutes, um, if you put Google Optimize on your website, if you want to change a headline, you can literally just click on the headline and it will bring up a little menu that says edit. And you can just edit that headline and boom, you have a second version of your site made. I mean, so you can set up uh, an, an A-B test within a half an hour and have it up and running. Um, so it's not just for the big boys. Um, and I recommend that everybody do this because one of the most dangerous things that can happen as a solopreneur is thinking that you've got everything figured out. (laughs) Now, no solopreneur actually thinks they have everything figured out, but it's really easy to go, oh, my website's fine. I worked with a great designer on that. So I I just need to focus on my social media, right? Right, right. Um, Or, hey, I've got a really great working social media campaign. I'm just going to leave that and I'm going to move on to something else. You never want to do that because there is always room for improvement. Your audience behavior is always going to be changing. And especially on a website, there's, there's a very high chance that you were just guessing when you created your site or that your designer was right. just guessing. Right. And so you need some data to prove what you should be doing. So everybody needs that type of education. Everyone needs to practice having an open mind like that and, and being willing to challenge their own assumptions. And like I said, it's the, the two simplest tests to run on your own. Number one is like a headline test. You can set that up and run it and, and have it started in five minutes. The other one is, I, I call it an existence test. And that mm. is take the most noticeable thing on your page and remove it. And again, all you have to do in like a tool like Google Optimize is go in the editor, click on it and say remove. And it will automatically adjust everything else on the page for you. Very cool. So how long, when you start some of these like simple tests that you just mentioned, how long do you like to run them before you say, okay, I got some good data, I can make a decision? Yeah, so I have two answers for that. Um, The first is if you use most A-B testing tools, they're going to give you some type of, they'll, they'll call it a lot of different things, but like statistical significance. They'll give you some kind of percentage that's like, um, here's the chance that this is actually a winner, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's one way of doing it is to say, well, I want to get a really good statistical significance, like 90% or, or better, um, which means if you have a 90% statistical significance, that means there's a 10% chance that you don't actually have a winner. You might actually be calling a loser. There's a 90% chance that you have a version that is performing better. So obviously the higher your statistical significance, the lower the chance that you might accidentally push something on your site that that hurts conversion rates, right. right? So that's one way of doing it. But sometimes it's hard to get statistical significance. If you are a solopreneur, you might not get a ton of traffic to your site. Um, I mean, similar, it, it's the same thing that you would do with ads, right? Like sometimes you might not get a lot of impressions on your ads. And so you might, you might say like, oh, my click-through rate... Um, is really low on this ad. I'm going to try another one. And you might just, you might not get enough impressions to get a huge difference. Like you might say, well, I've got 10 clicks on this ad and 20 clicks on this ad. They're both pretty low numbers, right. um, but I'm going to take the one that has 20 clicks right now just because it's performing better. So statistical significance, if you can. And then the second thing that I look for, and this is more of an or, the second thing that I will look for is I look for a variation to be winning for at least a week consistently. 
Or in other words, it's beating your existing, uh, the existing version of your site for at least a full week. Um, so even if you don't have statistical significance, if you have a winner that has been winning consistently, that will usually give me enough confidence to say, okay, make the like, switch. Okay. Yeah, we'll make the switch. <laughs> so is there a certain, so the significance, is there a certain, like, are you looking for like a 10% bump or like a 5% bump or how, how much is it supposed to, before you make the effort to change it over, how, how high does it need to be? Yeah. So I, I consider anything less than like a 5% increase. I consider that just like standard deviation. So okay. I, I would not call something a winner if it was like a 4% increase in conversion rates. Now, granted a 4% increase in conversion rates, if you're driving millions of visitors to your site, a 4% increase could be huge. But for most websites, they're not driving millions of visitors. And so that 4% impact could just be random you know, standard gotcha. Gotcha. chance. Right. And so that's, that's where there's a lot of statistics that, that you could go into. And so just to make things simple, I look for more than a 5% increase. Gotcha. So yeah, you mentioned Google analytics and doing some stuff with the site optimization. Um, do you have any like specific tips that some people like overlook when they're setting that up the first time they're Google analytics? I know a lot of people just plug in the code and they say, I've got Google analytics. I'm done. Do you have like some <laughs> have some steps that you like, Hey, make sure you have this turned on or you're, you make sure you're doing this right. What are some of your uh, advice that on that? Yes. So there's a couple things that are, um, just simple, no brainers when you're setting up Google, Google analytics. One is to set up conversion tracking. So whatever your conversion goal is on your website, um, it doesn't take that long, especially if it's just a page that you want people to get to, mm -hmm. um, to just plug in the URL into the Google Analytics conversion section and say, this is my goal, right? And the reason that that's so important, I mean, other, otherwise, all you're looking at is just, I mean, for lack of a better word, it's just fluff metrics, right? right, right. Like people's time on site, who's to say what a good time on site is? If somebody can convert in 30 seconds on your website, then you might not have a very high time on site and that might be fine. Um, in fact, you know, the higher the time on site, that might be worse because right. <laughs> they're not finding what they're looking for. Right. So mm -hmm. again, you know, like looking at things like time on site or bounce rates or uh, any of those types of metrics that you can find in Google analytics without conversion tracking, none of that stuff really helps you. So if you're e-commerce, you've got to set up conversion tracking and revenue tracking. Um, if you are lead gen, you've got to set up your thank you pages in there. Or if you have a blog and you're trying to get subscribers, put the thank you page for the subscriber, uh, for the subscriber widget on there so that you can tell how many subscribers am I getting? How many purchases am I getting? And then all of that other data becomes really valuable, uh, because you can say, Hey, look, um, for Pinterest, my bounce rate is really high, but my conversion rate's really high. Huh. Well, that's interesting. That that helps you start digging in right. and assessing like is a high bounce rate bad? Maybe not. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. So, are there any other like tools or apps that you recommend for somebody who wants to they're like, "Oh man, this stuff I'm I am nerding out right now. I want to know how to do this better." Do you have any like tools or apps that you recommend that people, you know, may want to start playing with? 
Definitely. So another free tool that you can use is called Hotjar. It's a heat mapping tool. And, uh, and what this heat mapping tool will do is it will tell you basically two things. It'll tell you where are people clicking on your pages. So it'll give you like a confetti map and mm -hmm. you can see like, hey, wow, like 90% of my clicks are happening on that button. Um, so it'll show you where exactly on the page people are clicking. And it'll also show you how far down the page are people scrolling. Right. This is particularly helpful to either diagnose problems. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. We had a client, we put a heat map on their cart page. Um, no, I take that back. It was their checkout page mm -hmm. on the checkout page itself. And on the checkout page, this was a, this was a vacation, um, a vacation booking service. So the checkout page had like a bunch of information about their vacation, had a little tiny picture, and when we looked at the heat map, we realized that like 20 to 30% of the people that came to the page were clicking on that little image. Now, when you actually clicked on, an, on that image, nothing happened. Like, <laughs> you know, on, on the existing website, it's like, okay, well, you can't actually click on that image. So why are so many people clicking on it? So that, that spurs a lot of great strategic ideas, right? Like, well, why would someone click on an image on the checkout page? Maybe they want to see the images again, mm -hmm. right? Maybe they, uh, you know, like there's, there's a lot of things that they might want to see. So what we did is we created a new version of the checkout page where when you click on the image, it pops up a little window that has all of the pictures in there and some, some basic information about the package. And it was shocking. Like conversion rates increased by about 25%. Wow. On yeah. the checkout page, <laughs> right? That's crazy. That's really And so again, the heat map will help you just see like, what are people doing? Are they trying to do something that you can't do on the site? So it'll, it'll maybe give you something you should do. Or what I also see sometimes is a lot of people are clicking on stuff that you don't want them to click on. Like um, you realize that 90% of the people are clicking on your menu. If everybody's clicking on your menu, like the, me the menu should be like a means of last resort. Um, it should be like, okay, these people are clearly not giving me what I want. So I guess I'm going to have to find it myself in the menu. So if people are clicking on the menu, that's a good indication that I did not give them the right, the right offer in the content. Um, so that's, again, I mean, it depends on what your offer is, what your objective right. is on the site. If you are a blog, it might be fine for people to be clicking on the menu, but uh, it's some things for you to think about. I think that's really interesting because like 85 to 90% of Pinterest traffic is comes via mobile. So it's going to, they're on their mobile phone going back to their website. So I think, think thinking of that, like if your menu is super small or they can't get away from they want, or if you have a big pop-up on the screen, I mean, I can just see all that stuff being a negative uh, to your conversion rate. So that's very, very interesting. Uh, I'd be interested to see how mobile makes a difference. Uh, that's even more, I know drilling down even more. Um, yeah. I know one of the questions that uh, some, some people have asked is, you know, I want to test, but I'm, a lot of pinners are bloggers and they'll have like a certain uh, seasonal pin that does really well around like Halloween or Christmas. And they're really super scared about messing with that at all. You know, they don't want to, you know, they don't want to lose any of that stuff because it rolls around every year and they get tons of traffic from it. Um, I know a lot of them are thinking if I run these tests, it's going to kill my SEO. So do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. So I, I have a couple thoughts and that is usually one of the biggest concerns people have is, well, Chris, you're telling me to remove this video from my page, but that video has relevant content in it. Or you're telling me to remove content from my page. Mm -hmm. That content helps me rank well organically. So two thoughts. Number one, 
Google has actually explicitly said that they don't they don't crawl tests. So while you're running the test, it's not going to affect your 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 organic rankings, right? And I mean, Google created their own A/B testing tool. So Google is clearly a fan of A/B testing. The reason they like it is because um, you're trying to figure out what your audience wants, and that's what Google wants as well. Google wants to give people what they're looking for, and so. You're, you're doing something good. And what I have seen is usually, I, I have not yet seen a case where this has happened, but I, if any listeners have had this happen, I would love for them to reach out because I'd love to be proven wrong here. But in every case that I've ever seen, if you remove content or stuff from your page and conversion rates go up, the conversion rate increase will help your, will help your organic rankings more than that content was. Uh, because Google and and Bing, you know, and the other search engines, they look at on-site metrics as well. They look at things like time on page. They look at um, bounce rates. They look at um, other types of like click-through rates and stuff on your website. And so, if you're giving a better experience that's leading more people to convert on your website, that's usually a better thing than just having a bunch of useless content. It's a great point. It's a great point. So I've never seen conversion rates go down as a result of an, of an A-B test. But again, I'd, I'd love to be proven wrong on that. Awesome. Yeah, so that's something I know a lot of pinners are wanting to make sure that they don't <laughs> they don't mess anything up. So here's here, cause there's a couple of quick questions, and then I'll, then I'll let you go. Thank you for your time today, because this has been, I think it's fascinating. Um, should I start optimizing my landing pages before I optimize my website? Do you have any thoughts on that? That's a good question. Um, that's so I will I will again give sort of a non-answer. You want to look at your analytics and see where are the majority of people going, right? If I am sending everybody to my landing pages, then yes, start with your landing pages first. Um, but if there's a large percentage of people, or if the majority of people are going to your website, then I would suggest starting with your website. I mean, you just want to look at where your biggest areas of opportunity is. Um, and so, so, like I mentioned, Social Media Examiner, we we ran some tests on their blog. They had, they have, I think, four or five different um, offers that they will present people with on the blog. They have like an entrance pop up, they have an exit pop up, they have a slide in, they have right. a bunch of different, they have a bunch of different offers that they use to try to get subscribers. And so, as we were prioritizing those opportunities, I just went in and said, "Well, how many people are seeing these pop ups?" And so we just started with the one that had the most views and worked our way down from there because that's our biggest area of opportunity. Very cool. Um, when is it time to uh, scrap everything and totally redesign my website? When is it like, <laughs> this is a, a lost cause, I need to start from the beginning? Have you ever run across that? And what, what advice do you give those kind of people? Yeah. So, well, I'll, I'll give my answer for the website, and then I, I'm also curious from a uh, from a social standpoint. I'd love to I'd love to get your thoughts on, you know, would would you ever do that with Pinterest? Would you ever scrap everything? But on, on the website side of things, um, there are every company goes and does a website redesign every couple of years. I mean, I. I can't even tell you. That's the biggest reason that companies don't A-B test is they're either in the process of doing a redesign, they're about to do a redesign, they just did a redesign. I mean, I, I talk to businesses every single day. So there's some, there's some potential benefits and some potential downsides. I just met with a, uh, 
met with a marketer yet uh, this last week. I went out to lunch with a guy who works at Vivint. They'd sell like home automation stuff and security systems, all that stuff. And they stopped doing A-B testing on their site for eight months while they did a website redesign. So they did this huge website overhaul. They had all these reasons for doing it. They launched it. Conversion rates tanked, like dramatically. So they did a mad scramble, reverted back to their old website and said, oh, we think we know what the problem is. So they went in and they fixed some things. Three months later, relaunched the site. Conversion rates tanked again. Um, and, And so then they reverted back. And so now they're going back. I mean, they wasted about a year of time doing this huge website redesign that ultimately like really hurt their conversion rates. And so now what they're doing is they're going, crap, we should have tested this all along. Right. So what they're, what they're doing now is they're going page by page and saying, let's test new homepage versus old homepage. And let's test new homepage version two against the old, against the old um, homepage. Right. So that you can isolate where the issues are, because usually when you have a website that, that tanks conversion rates, it's usually not that the whole website sucks. Sometimes it is, but usually it's like, oh, well, guess what? Your new product page is awful. And so all people are bailing out on the product page. That's where the problem is. It's not the whole website design. It's just one page. Um, but you'll never know that if you just do a full website overhaul. So, so when, so the first thing to know is if you are going to do a website overhaul, do it page by page and do a split test, right? So you can build the new version of the page and then split traffic between the two and see how each individual page performs. And the second thing that I will say is, if you do regular A-B testing, you shouldn't ever need to do a website overhaul because if you're doing A-B testing on a regular basis, naturally your site is going to evolve over time. And so after testing for six to eight months on your homepage, you're going to have a completely different homepage. And you might at that point go, hey, well, we want to put a new skin on this homepage, but it's not going to be like a completely new website. It's going to be like, okay, we know that this page is functional. I'm just going to put a new color palette in there and whatever, expand the margins and yada, yada. I mean, just, you know, some some, uh, makeup on the website rather than we need to just throw everything out and start new, right? That's a great, that's a great point. And that's a great, I mean, that's, I think a lot of people gave a sigh of relief because they're like, oh, that sounds a lot. I can, I can do that in chunks instead of like, oh, I've got to pay a developer all this money and start from scratch. So I think that's really yes. cool. So what would you tell, tell me? Tell me, uh, well, tell me real quick. I'm, cause I'm curious on the social side of things, right. would you ever do that on like, um, on a, on a Pinterest account, for would example? I, would you, you know, ever just I, scrap everything and start fresh? I haven't never, I haven't come across a client yet who has completely no value on on certain boards. So Pinterest is broken down to boards, and a lot of times certain boards are more popular than others. So I'll archive or move to secret certain boards because I don't want to I don't want to just delete those boards because that takes away followers. If I archive them or um, move them to secret, then there's they still have the follower count for social proof. But I'm, there's always usually at least one board that has some value that I, th- I think is coming around. So it's a, kind of the same thing. You look at the statistics, you look and see what's working. Um, I'll tell a lot of people, if you don't pin, you know, content to a certain board in a month, then I would archive it because yeah. you're not giving, unless it's a seasonal one, like it's your Christmas ones or something like that. But uh, yeah, so I, I don't ever usually flush everything down the toilet all at once. So I, there's always yeah, something to work since, with. 
And same thing on the website. And that's, that's where the, also where the power of doing testing on your site comes in is if you start testing. And again, you don't need to start big. You can start with small things, one page at a time. But if you start testing on your site, you'll know what's working well and what's not. Mm-hmm. The, I think the reason that most companies want to do a big website redesign is because um, they think that everything sucks and they just want to redo it all. Right. When in reality, there might only be one or two things on your site that sucks and you would actually do a lot better to just test those, those one or two things rather than just like, you know, tossing it all out the window and, and, and doing a massive project. And back to your point about Pinterest, Pinterest is built for split A-B testing because if you have a pin that's doing well, there's nothing wrong with making another pin that points to the same piece of mm-hmm. content and see which one performs the best. And you can do that over and over and over. And so, uh, and you don't get penalized. So it's, it's Pinterest is built for split testing. So, yes. um, so one of uh, the, the last question is, um, so somebody wants to really get into this optimization and they, you know, they want to make some changes to their website. What would you tell somebody to do on the first 30 days, the next thing they need to do on this, you know, this next month, I'm going to really dive into this. What should they do first? Yeah. So, um, so I'm going to give, uh, I'll give a few suggestions the the first couple of things that they should do. And then I'm also going to mention, I, I have a, a starter guide that I created for specifically for people that have never done it and want to try it out. Um, And so I'll mention, I'll mention that afterwards, but um, the the first couple of things you're going to want to do, number one, get a heat map set up on your website. It takes 10 minutes, super easy. Like I said, set up a free hot jar account. The free account gives you like, you can put a heat map on three pages of your site. So put it on your homepage, on your landing page, on another page of the site that gets good amount of traffic and start tracking. Right. So that's the first thing you can do that in one day and a half an hour. Second thing that you're going to want to do is next week. So, I mean, I suggest starting with that because it's going to start gathering data for you, right? It's going to give you, you, I I guarantee that if you look at a heat map, you will come away with at least one new insight about your audience that you didn't already know. And so start gathering that data. Then next week, because again, I mean, I know that uh, we're all busy and so we're not going to just sit down for (laughs) an entire day and do A-B testing stuff. So next week get your Google Optimize account set up and just start a test. Like I mentioned, remove something noticeable from your site or swap out a headline, like change. And, and, I, and I would suggest if you're going to test a headline, test something that is radically different than what you have now. You probably won't see a huge impact if, if your uh, current headline is, um, you know, is best, you know, whatever, best Pinterest marketing tips and you uh, test something that says best uh, Pinterest marketing advice, you know, you're just testing semantics. Now, now small semantic changes can have an impact, but you usually want to start with something more drastic. Um, Again, so like if, if it's disruptive advertising, we might say, okay, we have version one. That's like 76% of PPC accounts um, never generate a profit. And then we might have another one that says, that says, we manage your PPC accounts for you, right? This one is more like pain point driven. This one's more solution driven, right? And so if you're going to, if you're going to run a test on headlines, test something completely different um, because that'll give you the best chance of seeing some kind of an impact. So those are the first two things. Step one, set up your heat map, start gathering some data. Step two, get a simple test up and running. 
And what a lot of people find at that point is either they get frustrated and go, well, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I'm not sure what to test. I feel frustrated. And so that's when it might be appropriate to reach out and get some help and support from someone, look up some articles online. There's lots of great articles about great testing ideas. Um, you know, and so there, there's different ways you can go from there or you'll run a test and it'll be either way successful. It'll be a total failure. And you'll go, this is sweet. I just saw an impact. Like okay. it went the wrong way. It lost, but Hey, I, I, I definitely influenced something there. I want to do it again. And you'll get really excited and I'll fire it up about it. Um, and so either way, like you're, you're going to get something good out of it, but get something started as soon as possible. Um, and so, like I mentioned, um, we have a, a starter guide that we created um, that I'm actually in the process of, uh, of redesigning prior to social media marketing world. Um, so hopefully by, hopefully by the time, uh, by the time people go and check this out, we'll have the newest version up and running, but um, it, it, people can download that if they go to uh, disruptiveadvertising.com disruptiveadvertising.com slash guide. Um, and like I said, it's just a free ebook that has like tools, uh, tips for tests to run differences between like lead generation versus e-commerce sites and some other good stuff in there. Very cool. So you mentioned social media marketing world, um, and you're going to be there speaking, um, on this subject, right? You'll be talking all about conversion and optimization. Is that what your talks about? Yeah, so I'm actually going to be doing a 90 minute workshop. And uh -huh. in that 90 minute workshop, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to I have a six step process that I take people through of how to find um, how to find one great test idea um, on any uh, landing page, website, whatever. And so we're going to talk through like looking at value propositions on your site and your call to action, your content, looking for distractions, you know, some of the stuff that we kind of discussed today, but mm -hmm. I'm going to be diving into a lot more detail and, and giving specific tests people can run. So, um, yeah, I would love for people to, uh, to check out my workshop. Um, and then, and then I, I know you and I are going to, I, yeah. I've been excited actually to pick your brain a little bit more about, um, I think some things that I would love to chat with you more at the conference about is, um, what kinds of things you have seen work well as you are doing A-B testing on Pinterest and is there overlap? Cause you know, that's, that's one other thing that I was mm -hmm. going to mention with, with people getting started on A-B testing is even if all you can do is start testing on Pinterest, start doing that find out what makes an impact on Pinterest and then see if that plays out on the website too. So I, I would love to chat with you more about that while we're at the conference. Yeah. I think there's gonna be some good collaboration we'll do because I mean, Pinterest drives a lot of traffic most, I mean, a lot of bloggers I talk to, it's the number one driver of traffic. So you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, you know, that kind of, that old saying. And so I think a lot of people and a lot of pinners are fascinated about, okay, I got the traffic. Now I need the conversion. How, what's the best way to do that? And I thought your tips today were awesome. Uh, Chris, go ahead and mention one more time where people can find out more about you and, and your services. If they want to say, Hey, I don't want to do this myself. I want to pay Chris to do it. Where can they go to find out more about you? Yeah. So, um, you can either check out disruptiveadvertising.com or if you go to the ebook disruptiveadvertising.com slash guide, there is a little checkbox that you can check that says like, I'm interested in talking with disruptive advertising. Um, so if you want to chat with us, you can 
check that box. If you just want the ebook, you can just download it. Don't check the box. We won't harass you. Um, and I am on, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. Um, so feel free if people have questions, I would love to, or if people have experiences they want to share of either positive, negative, like Chris, you're full of crap. I tried this and didn't work. Right. Um, I'd love to, I'd love to chat with people there. So look me up. It's, it's, uh, at Chris Daly. My last name is D A Y L E Y. Thanks, Chris. We really appreciate you coming today. And as always, we'd love for you guys to stop by manlypinteresttips.com. We're always adding testosterone one pin at a time. We'll see you next time, everybody. Bye now. Thank you for joining Jeff on his mission to help you be successful in the Pinterest world. Would you like to take part in a live show? Be sure to join Jeff's email community at manlypinteresttips.com. Adding testosterone, one pin at a time.